Back up, please. Hello and welcome to Indicast episode number 212. I'm your host Aditya and along with me I have Abhishek. From a rain-soaked Mumbai. That's good news, right? Yes, but the trains are on time. So Mumbai hasn't really had the lashing that it uh, usually gets every year. We've not had a half day at work. In the last two years, we haven't really had that. So I think that's the hallmark of Mumbai monsoons. If that one or two days don't happen... People wouldn't really know that monsoons are here. My commute touch wood is five minutes away, but everybody gets half a day off. In solidarity, you take a half day in solidarity with your other colleagues. Right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So let's go ahead and start talking about the topics that we have. Brexit. I think this is going to be what Cameron, the former UK PM, is going to be known as because he's the one who actually asked for the vote and didn't really expect it to go the way it did. Nobody, including the bookies or even people from the Leave campaign, as they are called, expected that they would win. So much that in one television interview, there was one uh, Sky News ka reporter, Faisal Islam. He uh, was interviewing somebody from the Leave campaign, and this was a couple of days after Brexit happened. And he asked him, so where's the plan? Can we see the Brexit plan now? And that MP re- responded... There is no plan. The Leave campaign don't have a post-Brexit plan. Number 10 should have had the plan, which is the Prime Minister who called for the referendum if Brexit were to happen. And then the camera cut to the anchor. She was pale, white, didn't know what to ask. So she cut into a commercial. She said, I, I don't know what to say to that. Yeah, the book she said had given the odds of 3 to 10. So there were 30% likelihood of it happening. And those are the same odds that have been given for a Trump victory to happen in the US now. That is scary. So let's let's take a very, you know, first grader approach. Brexit. What is Brexit? What happens? What were people voting for? If you ask uh, the Brits from what I read, they did not know what they were voting for. (laughs) (laughs) As you might have read, the the Google searches from Britain uh, for what is the European Union spiked a night after the voting. Yeah, after the results. So let's go back a little bit into history. What basically happened was there have always been these small group of people who have been asking why are we part of EU? EU has these regulations which which means that we have to keep our borders open and hence people from other European countries they come into UK and take up our jobs and then we have to provide social security and all those things. So, you know, we need to get out of Europe. So, one of the promises that David Cameron made when he was contesting the election was, he said, I'll offer a referendum. It's only because the next election is coming up which, is in, which was going to happen in two years He said, okay, I need now deliver on the promises that I've made. So let me have this. So people were simply asked to go and vote whether you would like to be part of the European Union, yes or no. And lo and behold, the results came out on 24th June at 730. 52% of the people voted to leave and 48% said uh, we got to stay. What happened after that was, was almost... $2.1 $2.1 trillion worth of global market equity got wiped off in, in a complete cell. Pound fell to 31-year-old low. And one of the major reasons of the Brexit campaigners was that people have had enough of the experts. That's what Michael Gove, who was the <laughs> Justice Secretary, said. The reality, of course, was that all these European migrants in Britain, they are net contributors, meaning the pensions that the Britain 
60 plus get paid are being paid by plumbers from Poland and various other immigrants that come and work there. They pay more taxes than they claim benefits. So uh, statistically, the experts would have been right. So there were all sorts of statistics that pointed towards the fact that immigration is good for Britain. And the stakes were high. Almost half of all Britain's exports go to the EU. British has more to lose because it has a single access to the European Union, which they will now lose. And all of them, Germany, France, uh, and these big guns from the European Union are now saying, all righty, then get out now. Get out quickly. It's like a bandit that is... Yes, as soon as off. possible. So as soon as possible. And, and in fact, now under Theresa May, the new prime minister, there is a position called secretary for leaving the European Union. That's one of the minister cabinet posts. <laughs> of course, that, that has to be someone's full time. So it's interesting as to things that happened after the vote itself. Because for at, at least a week, Britain seemed to be a complete free fall. Right. David Cameron, he said that, hey, I'll help out in whatever capacity that I can, but I need to step down as a PM. He stepped down from his PM position. Britain's most senior EU official, Jonathan Hill, he stepped down. Boris Johnson, on June 30th, Boris Johnson, who was a front runner in campaigning for asking people to leave, he said that he's not interested, that he would not enter the leadership race. So the chief faces you know, campaigning for the leave had sort of said oh you know what we're not interested in this and to be accused of sloth in delivery by the right honorable gentleman let's just take the last week we both have been having these leadership elections we got on with it we've had resignation nomination competition and coronation they haven't even decided what the rules are yet <laughs> So now the person who was the home secretary under David Cameron, Theresa May, has now become the prime minister of UK. The bigger, bigger repercussions are within the EU itself, there is a big split. 28 members won't just become 27. Many more may follow is what they are saying. Like Denmark and Netherlands, they are talking of referendums already. Then in France, uh, which is a founding member of the EU, there was a research done by Pew they said only 38% like the idea of being part of the European Union. Then you have Poland. They don't like that they are being influenced by values like gay marriage, abortion, and other things that are being propagated yeah. in certain big economies. Italy and Greece also blame Germany because when they owed a lot of money to Europe, Germany said, hang on, you've got to start you know, saving money and that we are going to have too many taxes on you. So they don't like Germany. There is a big refugee crisis. You read every day that people from Syria and Libya are coming to the EU. And the reason it is more complicated is because in EU also Germany and France are both going into election. So people out there are not going to be very much open to do all these trade negotiations at this point. So the way this exit is going to happen is that there is an Article 50 which needs to be triggered off. And the irony is that they will have absolutely no say in the terms of departure because the whole idea of that Article 50 of the Lisbon Treaty, which was a founding treaty of the EU, was that it will discourage a member from leaving the European Union. So the 27 other countries will decide the terms of uh, Brexit. Yeah, isn't that awesome? So after reading through all these things, Scotland seems to be a bigger problem than the Brexit itself because since 70% of their people didn't want to leave. So the Prime Minister of Scotland has done, Miss Sturgeon, who is also a lady, she has received a mandate from Scotland's parliament allowing her to negotiate directly with EU leaders. 
which is for the first time Scotland's foreign foreign affairs has been decoupled from England, and this is in the since the Act of 1707. So that means Scotland is independently in negotiations with EU, and if Scotland votes, you know, let's leave UK. Scotland contributes to around 10% of UK's economy which is not that big that's fine landmass wise it, it is around 33% of UK which is big so one third of landmark is Scotland but the most important thing is it is home to UK's Trident nuclear program now Trident nuclear program is everything that covers development and procurement of generation of nuclear weapons all the nuclear weapons development happens in scotland for united kingdom as such investments to build new facilities have been made by uk in two places called coalport and fastlane way back when in 2014 philip hammond the defense secretary had mentioned that it would be a huge cost in relocating the nuclear deterrent elsewhere in united kingdom and it would take up to 20 years to do that okay uh, and if at all we can do it it will take 20 years and if uk does not have a nuclear program and it does not have the money to make that sort of investment anymore that means that its position in the security council in un is in jeopardy because without a nuclear program what is uk all sorts of weird things are happening another weird thing that happened was nigel farage who was also who was who was the leader of ukip which is united kingdom's independent independence party who was the initial proponent of of the leave campaigners on july 4th he resigned as a, as the leader of his party saying that he has fulfilled his political ambitions his political ambition was to get uk out of eu and that he's done and he does not want to do anything more like what <laughs> it's very interesting so ukip is known as a euroskeptic political party which means that it does not believe in european union however right ukip and this was mind blowing to me has one member of parliament in the house of commons which is like the lok sabha three representatives in house of lords which is like the rajya sabha and 22 members in the european parliament making it the largest uk party in european parliament so to be against something but have the largest representation yeah. in that council is just mind blowing and i i don't understand how that happened let's see what happens no one really knows what's going to happen but you know the, who's the only man in england with a coherent plan for leaving europe hodson i don't know how to pronounce it it was the Eng- england manager uh, for yeah. the euro 2016 yeah, yeah, yeah. there's another one an englishman a scotland and an irishman went to a bar they all had to leave because the englishman wanted to go <laughs> 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 the lighter side of it all credit to david cameron and the culture of the uh, british parliament you should go up on youtube and listen to the speech or the last speech that cameron gave in the parliament the kind of oh, yeah. jokes the lighthearted moments and the fact that they all know that it's done some of the comments that are there in that parliament they're funny and even the speaker gets in on the act you don't see chairs being thrown at each other beautifully civilized intelligent witty it's good fun and sometimes it is downright rude also i mean they call people idiots right on their faces what we need to do both in britain and europe is to combine the fiscal deficit reduction which has given us the low interest rates with an active monetary policy with structural reforms to make us competitive and with innovative ways of using our hard won credibility which we wouldn't have if we listened to the muttering idiot sitting opposite me <laughs> 
about the health of the health minister, who's so overexcited he might suffer a relapse. And I'm a compassionate chap. I don't want that to happen. But the Prime Minister will please withdraw the word idiot. It's unparliamentary. A simple withdrawal will suffice. We're grateful. Of course, I, I will replace it. I will replace it with the man who left us this enormous deficit and this financial crisis. It's crazy. But I think it's the most fun parliament ever. What's next? What's next? Let's move on to a more a happier story, which is about Dattu Bhoknal. I think he's the only Indian rower to have qualified for the 2016 Rio Olympics. It's just that five years ago, this guy didn't know to swim. He was working at a petrol pump. Before that, he was digging up wells because he comes from a trot-prone area. Traigao, Traigao, which is right between Panvel and Pune. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting as to how it happened. After his father passed away, he was working at a petrol pump. And the petrol pump that he used to work at, there used to be a lot of army aspirants, people from army used to come to fill up their two-wheeler fuel tanks, right? And that's how he got interested. So he went to the open recruitment drive for army, got selected. And then because he is 6'4", try out rowing and at that point of time it was the first time he was seeing a huge water body he had never seen a water body the, the first time when he looked at that water body he said the first thought was to take all that water back home because that's where he and his father would dig wells for a living and he used to earn 5000 rupees a month the sad part is his mom right now is admitted in a hospital in Pune after suffering from a brain injury from an accident and uh, I don't think she knows this yet that he's he's qualified for the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, she can't. I mean, she's unable to recall anyone. The doctors, 95% of her brain is damaged. She can't form any new memories. She cannot recall people. She can recognize voices, but cannot recognize faces. That's the sad part. I looked at his timings and stuff like that. They are way off from what the world records are or what the top records are. But given the background, given the circumstances, given how new he is to the sport, he is still the second best in the Asian region, Asian and the Oceania region, which in itself is quite a big deal. The story itself is quite something. Absolutely. India has got the biggest contingent this time that we are sending to the Olympics. More than 100 athletes. And uh, there are quite a few similar stories. There is one Deepa Karmarkar who is 22 and she will be the first gymnast from India. She started practicing when she was just 7. She's from Tripura. There is the first badminton's doubles will be entered. Mannu Atri and Sumit Reddy. There is one in judo, Avtar Singh from Punjab. The first since 2004. That's awesome. And so Deepa Karmarkar is an interesting uh, story. She's the only gymnast right now who can do... Uh, there's a very difficult move. Produnova vault. So there is a particular type of a vault that only a few people can do. She is one of those people. So this was when the Russian Yelena Produa did her thing for the first time in the in gymnastics. And no one after that has been able to do, but, but Deepa Karmarkar can. It will be interesting to talk about her. First gymnast after 52 years. Yes, let's see how that goes. Uh, Rio Olympics only a few days away. Wow, we have been talking for quite some time. So let's talk about the discovery, recent discovery that was made at Angkor Wat, which is in Cambodia. Oh, damn, I was going to make this a trivia thing. So where is the largest religious monument in the world? It's in Angkor Wat, in <laughs> Cambodia. <laughs> I, I think I'm... Okay. Yes. I, I, would so, have thought, I would have thought it would be the Vatican, Mecca or something like that. No, it's not. Angkor Wat. Yes. 
the largest empire on earth which goes back to the 12th century somewhere near Angkor Wat dug inside the ground which boasts of modern technologies like canals and stuff like that which uh, people back in the 12th century used yeah so Angkor Wat has been there for a long time but people have always wondered why is this one big temple out in the middle of nowhere because otherwise it's forest that has been a mystery lately what archaeologists have been trying to do is they have been using laser scanning to get an idea of what lies beneath the ground the laser scanned 735 square miles around the Angkor region and there was an entire city below it around it which is phenomenal and you mentioned that technology that itself is brilliant right it's called lidar or the optical version of radar so this aeroplane flies at let's say 280 kilometers an hour and it maps the landscape of the forest below it fires these laser pulses 400000 laser pulses per second they penetrate through the canopy and they bounce off the ground and they are captured by a sensor which is fitted on the plane and that data produces a 3d image of the whole forest Uh, down to a leaf or a twig and also what lies underneath and then of course you have these experts who can then decode compare it with maps that they have seen previously and then they say ah this is interesting yeah. and then they start digging so lidar is also the technology that is used in driverless cars to scan the surroundings and all those sort of things so lidar if you think of it might have been a very expensive technology just to use for archaeological purposes right developing that technology for archaeological purposes would have been all would, wouldn't have justified the spend but they are just reusing the technology that was created for automated for driverless cars for this purpose which is amazing which is awesome did you read about uh, tesla's autopilot crash uh, recently oh yeah that was a big elon okay. musk is 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 under the scanner and basically the autopilot did not kick in or it uh, failed to recognize an oncoming or a parked vehicle no other vehicle was crossing the road it was white in color the vehicle did not have proper markings so there were a couple of things that went wrong anyways those things will happen those things will happen technology will have such uh, casualties from time to time yes what is the last one that we have pakistan beating england at lords why is that a big deal is it ah it is because any subcontinent team doing well at lords in the mecca of cricket uh. is fun to to watch and more importantly because you had a 42 year old captain scoring a century and then doing push ups on the pitch misbah yeah misbah ulak the entire team incidentally did push ups after the end of the match and it was a tribute to the pakistani army where they attended a boot camp to get themselves fit although alister cook did not like that saying that it was a little bit of a jibe and they are even more motivated to make sure that they win the next one and then you have a leg spinner yasir shah who took 10 wickets in the match you had the big comeback from mohammad amir who was uh, barely 18 when michael holding actually cried on the screen when he saw that amir was caught in a spot fixing scandal because of the big talent that he was at the time so he served his time and come back it's uh, it's it's beautiful to watch good test cricket which is a rare rare occasion rare sight nowadays i saw wahab riaz getting stuart broad out on an in swinging yorker which you could actually see on your hd television <laughs> swing you saw that trajectory clunking the stumps two short balls so short short broad is already too afraid to step out or play on the front foot and then wahab riaz bowls this in swinging yorker which none of the indian bowlers can bowl because of the uh, t20 cricket that we have you bowl a yorker you could get whacked for four if it's a full toss 
so it's good test cricket after a long time nice. sorry i just realized that it has been a monologue <laughs> no 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 you seem to be really into it those were the topics that we had let's wrap this up quickly because we have been going for a while this just is one one thing i i know you you don't want to talk about this and i think this is the last thing you want to talk about while we are signing off but what do you make of all the bomb blasts that are going around man baghdad turkey saudi arabia bangladesh nice attack there is an axe wielding man in germany there was emergency in turkey kazakhstan a few people were killed police officers sniper taking down police officers in the us last night 56 civilians including 11 kids were killed in a bombing in syria allegedly through a us air strike are these the darkest times ever the reasons that i don't want to talk about it is exactly what you stated i mean it's happening all over the place we have been thoroughly sensitized because it's just happening so often the attacks are getting crazier and bolder and all these things are being streamed live these days on facebook yeah, right? yeah so yeah, earlier yeah. all these things were happening and it was being reported as well in newspapers right but the fact that you can actually see a person die on facebook is very different than reading about it the next day the dallas shootings that happened that was available on live stream you you tell i mean what commentary are we going to the question is that what's happening assault weapons and the be, being used the orlando killing 51 people being killed at one go and and in despite so, all of this uh, you know you want to arm everybody with uh, guns so everywhere wherever whatever whatever you are reading not just the killings but everything that people seem to be doing is defying rational whether it's brexit or whether it's these killings exactly. every, everywhere everything and and hence people are warning the americans to don't screw this up further by voting for this guy people on tv are asking democrats democrat voters to say that please go out and vote because if you don't vote that means you are voting for this guy trump and this guy is going to have he will have to make split second decisions based on limited information that is available and order some strikes or take foreign relations ahead absolutely man absolutely time to wrap up Our website is www.theindicas.com we post the episodes on facebook as well if you liked what you hear or if you have been following us please reshare it on facebook you know we are also on twitter at indicast subscribe on itunes itunes is the place to go or any podcatcher for that matter which podcatcher do you use or podcast app do you use on your android phone podkicker that's a decent one or that's okay. the only one i know i use podbean which is pretty decent as well i pay for it hmm. oh you do amazing yeah. <laughs> you sound so i i have not i have never paid anything i have never paid ever for any app that's why i saw <laughs> you sound really surprised yeah <laughs> i'm an indian yes. but sometimes i pay for things all righty then all right man That's about I have it. to rush. So that's about it. Bye bye. Bye bye. I will um, watch these exchanges from the back benches. I will miss the roar of the crowd. I will miss the barbs from the opposition. But I will be willing you on. And when I say willing you on, I don't just mean willing on the new prime minister at this dispatch box, or indeed just willing on uh, the front bench. defending the manifesto that i helped to put together but i mean willing all of you on because people come here with huge passion for the issues they care about they come here with great love for the constituencies that they represent and also willing on this place because yes we can be pretty tough and test and challenge our leaders uh, perhaps more than some other countries but that is something we should be proud of and we should keep at it and i hope you will all keep at it and i will will you on 
as you do. The last thing I'd say is that you can achieve a lot of things in politics. You can get a lot of things done. And that, in the end, the public service, the national interest, that is what it's all about. Nothing is really impossible if you put your mind to it. After all, as I once said, I was the future once. (laughs) 